Thanks for tuning in to Motor Mania. This is your Saturday morning car talk show. What's coming up between now and midday? Well, motoring journalist Damien Reed will be joining us to discuss the latest news, including his thoughts on the launch of the new seven-seat VW Terramont. I'll be hanging out with a regular listener, Kevin Patrick, at the Wheelfix Garage in Alcuse, where his prized 1967 Corvette is literally living in a bubble. And as the motoring world reacts to the shock announcement that the Ford Mondeo is set to be phased out by early 2022, that's effectively killing off the stereotypical Mondeo man, you know the guy, sturdy, hardworking, but oh so dull. I'll be asking... Have you ever been stereotyped because of the car that you drive? Over on Instagram, at DubaiEye1038FM, that's the subject of today's poll. You can vote either yes or no, and 4001 is the text hotline if you want to share your experience of petrol head prejudice. But first, coming up on the show... Fix it or flip it. Over the next hour, I'll be joined by motoring guru Matthew Davidson. He'll be using his expertise to provide live car valuations. So if you're trying to decide whether to fix up or sell your car, now is the time to give us a call. You're going to need to tell Matthew the make, the model, the year, the mileage and the condition of your vehicle And he's going to let you know how much it's worth if you decide to let it go. 04871-5500 is the number that you need. Or you can text us on 4001. And we will, of course, give callers priority as we always do. And this always becomes a very, very busy hour of the programme. We will have dozens of people trying to get through to the line. So if you want the benefit of Matthew's expert advice, now is really the time to get involved. 04-871-5500. Or if you're feeling a little bit shy, you can text us on 4001 and you can leave a message uh, off air and we'll play it on air as well. Good morning, Matthew. How are you doing? Good morning, Ray. How are you doing? You're right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Good. ready, fired up. I think it's uh, it's going to be a great show today. Yes, I feel I feel good about it. Good. Um, I wanted to start by asking you um, about this Mondeo man story. Um, is it the death of the Mondeo man? Has he been killed off by a stereotype? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I look at stuff like this, I think we we, we always move forward in many areas. You look how phones have evolved and and televisions in your home have evolved it's just the evolution of the car i mean that that hits me really hard with kind of 90s reps these these uh people that used to drive up and down the the motorways in the uk the salesman um, yeah exactly and and we you know we've moved on from that now we not just because of the pandemic but we use you know video conferencing now we're much yeah. more efficient and and when you look at cars as a whole we've moved Far, you know, globally, far more towards crossovers and SUVs. Mm. And, um, you know, Ford, it's not just the, the Mondeo Ford announced that they're no longer making sedan cars. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a bit of history that we're moving away from. Mm. Uh, Urban Dictionary uh, says that the Mondeo man is a typically average, boring British man who would stereotypically live in Kent, 
own a semi-detached house, have a wife, two kids and a Ford Mondeo or is a career driver, especially a travelling salesman, as you just mentioned, Matthew, um, from the large number of Ford Mondeos used as company cars. And, I mean, you know, it's been a popular uh, car in Europe. Uh, Phil messaged in saying no one cares about the Mondeo or whatever it's called. If it was a Toyota, somebody would care. Do you think there's there's an element of truth to that? I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I, I'm sure that nobody really cares much about the Mondeo anymore. But I mean, mm. everywhere, every country's got its equivalent of the Mondeo. I suppose here, uh, uh, Nissan Altima, you know, is a, is a very mm-hmm. similar car that people have, have, have pounded the highways here and gone between the Emirates. Um, but yeah, I, I think probably Ford are about two years uh, too late. They should have mm. sunset the brand of Mondeo a couple of years ago. But yeah, I... I don't think there'll be many tears shed around the world hearing this news. That's a nice way of putting it. They should have sunset the brand. <laughs> it's better, a bit nicer than killing it off. Um, what about uh, stereotypes from your point of view? Are there any kind of makes or models of cars that you wouldn't touch because there's a, a negative sort of stereotype associated with it? Yeah, it's a really good point. And, and you might be able to remember this, but uh, now Skoda is an incredibly uh, well-made vehicle and well, a, a brand rather uh, owned by Volkswagen, and they they just make great cars. Mm. But they, they 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 came out of Yugoslavia, I believe, back um, in the the eighties, yeah, even back into the, and they were just the worst cars ever then. Mm. And it we we used to make jokes that they were you know skips on wheels, etc. And <laughs> And, and and I think that's always stuck with me, even though I know Skoda is basically Volkswagen now. I don't think I could drive a Skoda. Um, and I think there are stereotypes with cars. Mm. And I'm sure people listening have got their equivalents of them. Yeah. Um, but, for, but for me, I was always baffled by why Volkswagen had this desire to turn such a, a damaged brand around when they could when they could have easily just started something different. But. Yeah, was, that was um, quite me, a brave definitely. decision, I thought, at, at the time. It, it, seemed, it, it seemed sort of bizarre and unnecessary, and yet it, it, you know, it did work because it, it's, got quite a, it's got quite a good reputation now in terms of you know, reliability and dependability. Yeah, and, and I think uh, this is just the only explanation I can give, that somebody just looked at it as a challenge and, and, uh, you know, or a bet or something yeah. that we can take what is essentially one of the worst names in the car industry and completely turn it around and mm. full credit to to everybody at Volkswagen. They did that. Yeah. They, they absolutely did it, for sure. A uh, few messages been coming in about people's experiences with stereotypes. Uh, let's hear from Nick very quickly. I drive a big, loud, off-road car, which I guess means that people think I'm an aggressive driver or reckless, but really all it means is I break it a lot and have to pay to take it to the mechanic. <laughs> Do you think that's true, that if you, if you drive a, you know, a loud, aggressive sort of off-road car, people think that you're going to be loud and aggressive as, a, as an individual? Yeah, I've got a few friends that uh, that have trucks like F one fifties, and and you know they're the the nicest, most placid people ever. Mm. Um, you know, one of my friends is uh, works in a law firm, and he's the quietest, most placid guy you'll ever meet. And he always tells me how he, he struggles to get it into the car park in DIFC. So um, yeah, it doesn't necessarily equal that. Some people just just I, I think it's the they're very introverted, and this is their way of having a little bit of extrovert. But um, 
you know, definitely, definitely no uh, co- coloration between the two. Yeah. Uh, well, the reason you're here, as you are well aware, but for new listeners, uh, this is Fix It or Flip It. It's uh, a chance for our listeners to come in, uh, give you a call and find out whether they should sell their car on or, or keep a hold of it and, and repair it, basically. And the way they can do that is by calling 04871 You're also here today to give some um, advice. So we're, we're saying to our listeners this morning, if you have any general motoring questions, that you would like to ask of Matthew, please feel free to give us a call and he will do his very best to uh, answer you on whatever it might be. 04871 And we've had some texts about the issue of finance. We'll get to those a little bit later, but it could be on anything that you want to ask. Um, had a message here. First, uh, fix it or flip it. Text is from Sam. And he says, I've got a Nissan X-Terra. It's white. It's a 2015. This is 185,000 kilometres on the clock. Perfect condition, still under showroom service. How much should I get if I sell it? Uh, super, super desirable. The Xterra obviously isn't made anymore. And despite those kilometers, I, I would put that car out there for 55 to 60K. Mm-hmm. And he will probably get something close to that. Um, they're, they're, I, I, I've owned one. I owned one about three years ago for about seven months. Mm-hmm. And I sold it because somebody actually offered me 2000 more than I actually paid for it. And at the <laughs> time I thought, well, that's, that's seven months of free motoring I just had. And then I regretted it um, literally immediately after I sold it. So they're great cars, very desirable. And they're, they're holding on. They're kind of like the FJ Cruiser, mm. which isn't also made anymore. Um, like Toyota's got the FJ Cruiser that everyone's chasing and Nissan has the Xterra. But yeah, uh, 55 to 60K, Sam. 55 to 60k. Hope that helps you, Sam. Uh, Josh has messaged in on 4001. Uh, he says, where I come from, if you have a Toyota Avalon and you're 30 plus with no job uh, driving your mum or your grandma's car. Oh, so that's a that's a stereotype that, that Josh has experienced there. Uh, 4001, if you want to let us know. Also, you can head over to our Instagram page at Dubai I 1038 FM and let us know if you've ever suffered from stereotyping because of the car you drive. You can vote yes. Yes or no. Um, Archie has messaged in and he says that Kareem's are being associated with Lexus now. Do you think that's a, a correct? Yeah, you do see quite a lot of um, Lexus being driven by Kareem drivers, don't you? Oh, 100 percent. Mm. Yeah. And this is we, we I think we talked on a previous show about this, that when um, the, the ride sharing uh, companies grab hold of a particular make or model, uh, you, to an extent, have then uh, got the problem with reselling because people mm. associate those cars with that. I mean, I have to confess, and I'm sure other people have done this, I've got into somebody's Lexus before thinking it was my uh, Kareem that turned uh, up. And they weren't, they, oh, they, weren't too, they weren't too happy. I've done exactly the same thing. I've done exactly the same thing, and it's very, very embarrassing. And it was being driven by a woman as well, which made it you know, even worse from my perspective because I felt like, oh, no, you know, she was scared. Um, but, yeah, that, that can happen. I wonder if that's, that has affected it uh, and will continue to do so. Um, I mentioned it's that very, we're... Very, very good point, yeah. Yeah. We're talking about um, uh, other issues as well on today's show, and I- Iqbal did message in uh, today um, saying that he's relocating for work, but he has outstanding finance on his 2017 Acura MDX. Can I sell the car even though I still owe the bank? And what is the process? Yeah, so 
it can change from from bank to bank how easy this can be. Mm. But generally speaking, you, you're quite entitled to sell that car when it's got finance. Uh, but it's all dependent on the, the buyer of the car. So if the buyer wants to pay cash, my advice to make it uh, as bulletproof as possible and to give the buyer some uh, real protection, mm. you, you go together uh, to the bank and you clear the loan so the buyer can actually see that it's the bank loan, the auto loan that's uh, being cleared, not any credit cards or, or the money going into your savings account. Mm. Um, if, you, if you want to layer in an, an even more bulletproof system, uh, you can actually go and do uh, a power of attorney between you for just the car that basically says, so Matthew is buying Ray's car. Um, then Ray can hold that power of attorney. And then when you go to the bank and the money's been paid, you hand over the power of attorney as well as the, the, the car and the keys. Mm. And that really means, because once that bank's got the money, they're going to release that, that block on that car. We, we call it a mortgage here for cars. And it's now digital where the RTA, the Road and Transport Authority, they on their system have the car as mortgage. So you cannot sell it until that mortgage is released or you cannot transfer the car until that mortgage is released. So that's if somebody's coming in on, on, on a cash um, yeah. side of things. If the inward buyer also wants to take finance, if they take it with the same bank, of, bank as yours, uh, certain banks will do what's called a loan transfer. So... Uh, Emirates, MBD, HSBC, uh, to name a few. Mm. So what they'll actually do is they'll internally um, clear off the existing loan and apply it to you. Finally, the other option is if, if somebody is uh, with a bank that doesn't allow those transfers or the buyer is with a completely different bank, that's, that's the biggest headache. That's where you're, you're likely to come unstuck. There is one exception. There's one bank, Emirates, MBD, that do something called auto swap where basically they will go as a bank and clear the other bank's finance to give the buyer right. finance with, with Emirates MBD. And really? that's, that's at the moment unique to, to Emirates MBD. So there is, there is options out there. Mm -hmm. um, if I was selling a car with finance that I couldn't clear myself, I would focus on making it as secure as possible for the buyer because there's no point in going to the effort of advertising your car getting lots of interest, et cetera, and then not being planned for that event. Mm. So you really need to give the buyer a surety. Look, if you're buying with cash, I don't mind doing a power of attorney with you. I don't mind going to the bank and, and you being with me to see that the, the loan is being cleared, et cetera. You must make it very secure and easy for the buyer, else you'll struggle. We have Sam next, so let's hear from Sam. Good morning, Sam. Hi, good morning. You're all right. How are you doing? I'm going to tell you. Yeah, very well. What would you like to ask, Matthew? Um, I have a Mazda 3, 2016, 100k kilometers, no accidents, good conditions. Um, keep it or uh, sell it. Okay, Mazda, I think you said Mazda 3, 2016, 100,000. Mazda 000. 3, yes. Yeah, Matthew. Yep. Yeah, it's certainly at that age, Sam, where you should look at moving it on because obviously you'll be coming towards the end of the warranty any moment now. If it's got a five-year warranty, um, so it is a good time to sell, and you're also at that kind of critical kilometer mark. If, if it's the entry-level model, you're looking around 30,000. Um, I would probably advertise it just under that, maybe 29,500, but it definitely is the time to move this car on. How does that sound to you I, then, Sam? 
Sounds good, great. And for uh, if, if I want to go for an SUV for a bigger car, I have a family now. Like, what, what do you recommend? Like a mid-budget SUV. You you need five seats, or, or do you or do yeah. you need to go up to seven five, seats? Five, five seats, okay. Yes, five seats. I would I would move towards a, uh, the Korean brands like Kia and Hyundai. Um, you can get some fantastic cars and reliable cars. Like a Kia Sportage looks good. Um, you wouldn't have to put much more to your budget. Uh, I would say for 40000 you can get a pretty decent uh, Kia Sportage. Um, nice modern car that would, that would really uh, move you forward and help with the family trips, etc. How does that sound, Sam? Oh, sounds good, thank you. Excellent. Okay, that's how it works. It's really that simple. Give us a call, zero four eight seven one double five double zero, or you can text in on four zero zero one. Bassam is on line three. Good morning, Bassam. Good morning. How are you guys? Yeah, really well. How are you doing? Doing well. I have a Dodge Ram uh, two thousand fifteen with two hundred and five thousand miles on it. Ooh, okay. And um, love it. No issues with it. I'm wondering, should I trade up to a newer Ram because I'd like to stay with the brand, or should I keep it because I have no problems with it? And how much would it go for? Okay, 2015 Dodge Ram, 205k. Trade up for the newest model, or stick around for a bit longer, Matthew. Yeah, they're a great truck. Is it the 1500? It's the 1500 Laramie. Okay, so it's got the 5.7 Hemi engine. Um, I right. love this truck. It, yeah, it's, you're at that really difficult crossroads because you say it's not giving you any problems, but you know it's now a six-year-old car with over right. 200,000, so maybe problems are around the corner. I'm, I'm a great proponent of, of selling cars when they're working really well. Um, <laughs> I, I, so I would consider it, in, in terms of value, the kilometers are obviously hurting you. My feeling is that car's about 70,000, maybe absolutely at a push 75. Uh, but it, you, you, you could roll the dice if you keep it because you say you've got no problems, then you know, a couple of months down the line, you have a gearbox or an engine failure. So if it's running really well, I always say that's a good opportunity to move it forward. And I think 70, 75K. How does that sound Perfect. then, Basim? Does that help you decide? Are you any nearer to a decision after that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking uh, through the similar kind of um, idea of it's at that mileage where it should start giving trouble. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I have to think about that. I love this truck. Yeah. Well, we were talking about stereotypes on today's show as well, Basim. Have you ever experienced any stereotypes or have you sort of got any sort of negative connotations about any cars, any vehicles out there? Um, not really. I mean, we live in Dubai and, and they're pretty prevalent and I, I drive uh, kindly on the road. Yes. So I, I haven't been up anyone's bumpers, you know. Yes. So, no, I haven't actually. <laughs> thanks for phrasing it that way. Uh, Basim, uh, thanks so much for giving us a call. Really appreciate it. Uh, let's speak to Appy. Appy is on line number two. Good morning, Appy. Hi, good morning. Hey, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well. How can Matthew help you today? What would you like to ask? Uh, well, I have a Kia Sportage 2014 mm-hmm. model. Mm-hmm. And uh, the mileage is uh, around 79. 
Mm-hmm. However, I had a, a major accident on the right side. Okay. So the both doors on the right side have been changed. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking if I should sell the car now or still hold on to it. Okay, Kia Sportage 2014, uh, full specs I see here as well, yes. 79,000 mileage, but you've had the accident, so the doors have been changed. Uh, Matthew, what yes. would you say? Well, now I don't know whether to recommend this to Sam, our previous caller. This yeah. could have been perfect, but <laughs> if, he's, if he's okay with these doors. It doesn't sound like a major accident, no, and, and, and I love transparency. There's not enough of it in the car industry, and it never scares people as much as, as, as you think. Mm. So... Um, it's it's great that you've you, you've talked about that, and I think um, it would have, would have been repaired either at Kia or in a, an approved Kia garage. In terms of value, if it's the full option car, um, the fully loaded car, it would be around forty five k. If it's more towards the base model, it would be maybe thirty three to forty four, uh, thirty three to thirty four k. Uh, if you wanted to sell it, do you know what specification it is? If it's is cool, it mid option cool. or full option? Uh, if it's full option, that's great. They're the ones that most people chase. So yeah, you could be looking upwards towards forty three, forty five thousand. How long ago was your your accident, Abby? That was about five years ago. Yeah, everybody safe and and well, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just a just a just a, a clang. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> thanks for asking. No problem, and, and hope everybody's well. I hope that helps. Does that help? Yeah, that helps. Okay. Good. All right. Well, be like Appy, uh, Bassam, Sam. They give us a call zero four eight seven one double five double zero. If you call now, you will get through. There are lines available. You can also message on four zero zero one. Also, taking your general motoring questions as well, and a bit of a twist uh, to what we normally do on this program. Um, message here from Mohit Matthew, and he says. Please suggest a new, uh, sorry, a used startup car for my 19-year-old daughter who's got her license. What would you recommend? So it's it's important, this one, isn't it? You're you're the dad. You want to protect your daughter. She's 19. It's her first car driving out here in the UAE. What would you recommend? Um, I'm sure she wants to feel safe. That's going to be, uh, and she surely will not want a big, big car. So how can you strike the balance? Well, it's it's what's called a crossover, like a small SUV. Mm-hmm. And I think out up there with the best bang for buck is probably a Ford EcoSport. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you've got the fuel economy. It's not too powerful, so she's not going to uh, get into too much trouble in terms of that uh, power, 1.4, uh, sorry, 1.5 four-cylinder engine. Uh, and you can pick those cars up 2017, 2016s, uh, around the 30k mark so mm. yeah i would i would suggest uh, that ticks most of the boxes she'll feel safe in it you will be happy because of that uh, not too powerful and the best thing is easy to resell uh once she's had a couple of years in the car and wants to move on so the, the, there's the aspect to it i'm think i'm trying to sort of put my dad head on here um, although i don't have daughters uh, obviously i'd be concerned for my sons uh, equally as well but you know if i'm sort of if i'm looking for a second-hand car as well you, you can go based on um you know safety spec- specifications and and all the sort of research that's been done online you can do all of that but how do you know the actual that the used car that you're buying is safe where can i take it how can i get it checked out yeah, I, I think car inspections are still incredibly underrated here. You know, you look at the money we spend on cars. What else do we spend that much money on? A house, maybe? I mm. mean, 
And you, there's lots of um, available options on the market now. RTA do a, a fully comprehensive test on most major platforms now. There's, there's buttons that say get, a, get an independent car inspection. Um, if you are fortunate that you, you know garages, obviously you're going to take it to garages, but most people don't. But the critical thing here is, you know, for a few hundred dirhams, you can get a good understanding if you're buying a car that's been in a major accident or has major uh, mechanical or, or electrical faults. Mm. So um, definitely car inspection. The, the, the test that you have at the RTA for, for registering a car is it's a decent enough test. It, it's checking brakes and tires, et cetera, but it won't go into any form of uh, checking the car for, for accidents and repainting. It won't uh, do any diagnostics on the car yeah. or really check for uh, leaks uh, that, that aren't major and obvious. So um, that, that is something that you, you can have as a, as, as a standard inspection that you have to do to register the car. But I would look for an independent car inspection every time. I guess it's like going to your doctor and having a, a full uh, uh, MOT, if I can use that term, from, from your doctor. They just do the, the full uh, check, don't they, and inspect everything. Abdul is next. Good morning, Abdul. Morning. Uh, uh, Ray. Abdul Jalil. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how uh, What would you like to ask, Matthew? Uh, I would like to ask uh, him that uh, it's a four-litre Fortuna mm-hmm. uh, and intend to use it for long term, if possible. So... What should be uh, the price? Ah, the, okay. So you fifty to seventy kilometers, thousand kilometers on the auto. Okay, so you've spotted a a, a, a used car, four liter Fortuna. It's got seventy thousand on the speedometer. You're looking to use it for long term use, and you want to know how much should you be paying? Yeah, and how generally is the Fortuna for a long term use? Okay, that's that's a very good question, Matthew. How can you? What would you uh, say to Abdul? Morning, morning, Abdul. Um, yeah, I definitely like the Fortuna. It's they're, they're relatively bulletproof, seven-seat cars, good for moving the family around. You can go not super heavy into the desert with them, but they're also okay in the desert as well. Um, you're definitely thinking that on the right terms with going with the four-liter V6. They do two engines, the 2.7, which is only a four-cylinder, and in my opinion is, is underpowered for a vehicle of that size and weight. And a lot of people will chase the V6s. Uh, I would guess that you'll be looking at something like a 2015 car. Um, or would you want something yeah, a bit newer? I think 2017. Yeah. Oh, 2017. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you, if you went for a 2017, um, and obviously it depends on the, the kilometers of the car, but you should be budgeting around... 85 absolutely tops 90 depending on the the trim level whether it's exr vxr etc okay so 85 to 90 okay all right yeah that that helps uh thank you thanks a lot well done thanks abdul Uh, appreciate you giving us a call uh andre is next uh on i3 andre hey guys how are you today yeah good good i'm not on top form i'll be honest with you andre I'm making some some schoolboy errors, but um, what would you like to ask, Matthew? <laughs> um, uh, I've got a 2050 um, a Mustang, a manual, a metallic grey, mm-hmm. immaculate condition, okay. ni- ninety thousand cage. Nineteen thousand. Um, did what year was it? Sorry, 2015. 2015, 19,000, Mustang manual. No, no, sorry, sorry, nine, nine, nine zero. 
Matthew, take over, please. Yeah. <laughs> how are you? How are you, Andre? Um, a couple of quick questions because it makes a massive difference. Is it a GCC car or is it uh, an imported car? It's, it's a GCC. So that's that's uh, a great point. And is it the um, V6 or the V8? So has it got the 5-litre V8 or the, the smaller V6 engine? 5-litre V8. Oh, well, then we're hitting some really, really good numbers here then. So the, the manual um, obviously restricts the amount of buyers out there because not everybody can drive a manual. Uh, a lot of people even have... Um, only automatic licenses. However, in this type of car, the right people that are chasing it usually want the manual. Um, the, the kilometers are a little bit high, but not too much for a 15. I, I would start by advertising that car around 70,000, maybe even 75, just to see how the market reacts. But you should sell that car for 70,000. It sounds lovely, really, really uh, great car. What sort of uh, price okay, are you great. looking for there, Andre? I was thinking of, I was thinking it may only be around the 50k. So oh. um, really, good, really good information. That's good news. And are you are you selling, or did you, did you just want to know the the valuation? I, I just I just wanted to know the value. Mm, okay. All right. Well, I hope that helps. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Andre. Uh, let's go to our next caller now, uh, Noras. Good morning, Noras. Yeah. Good morning. Hey. How you doing? All good. All good. Thanks. So yeah. I have. Uh, I want to know how much my car worth. I don't want to sell. Uh, it's Nissan Xterra 2015, uh, uh, done 50,000 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's and, a Nissan Xterra yeah. 2015, 50,000 kilometers. And I've got a note here that it's white as well. Uh, yeah, that's, and I, know, that's right. I think you've got a second car. Let's deal with this one first. Yeah. Matthew. Yeah. So we talked earlier about near enough this very car. Um, no longer made, incredibly desirable. You, you're going to get, with those low kilometers, uh, at least 60, maybe even 65,000. Um, so you won't have trouble selling this. Put it out on the major websites. Put it out on Facebook. You'll be surprised. But be careful of people lowballing you because these cars, they sell quick and they sell for good money. So people, they try to buy these much cheaper. So hold your ground. You should get 60K. And yours, car number two, then, Noas. Yeah, I mean, my car, I have, I mean, I always listen to you on this program, and you always, uh, you know, advise people to sell the old cars. But I have a 2008 uh, Leon FR Fiat, which I don't find any reason to sell in it. It's not costing me anything, and just like it's running around, use it as a second car. Mm-hmm. Why should I sell that car? You say that I should sell it. <laughs> and I've got a note here. I think it's got 200,000 on the clock. It's a uh, yeah. Seat Leon SR 2008, and it's yellow. Matthew. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you just answered your own question. I wouldn't really sell it because what you'll get for it, 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 it you're not going to be able to replace it. Um, I, I doubt you'll even get maybe eight, 9,000 for it realistically. Um, why would you sell that? You said you, it's, it's, it's worth keeping. Uh, I don't, it sounds like it's your second car that you run around in. Yeah, 100% keep that car. It's not, it's not worth selling it if it's running okay. So happy with that then, Noas? Yeah, yeah, amazing. 
Okay, Thank brilliant. you, guys. Cool. Uh, be like uh, now. Give us a call, 04871 If you've just joined us, and, you know, why not? You're allowed a line on the weekend. Uh, this is Fix It or Flip It or Motomania. Matthew Davidson is here. He's our car expert, a guru, and he will give you advice on whether you should fix or flip your car. Should you hold on to it? Should you repair it or should you sell it on? And if you do sell it, how much could you get for it? All you need to tell us is the make, the model, the year, the mileage and the general condition of the car and he will give you an on-the-spot valuation it's that simple you can text 4001 or you can call and that's what we prefer 04871 that's 04871 we're in the last sort of what, 18 minutes of the program so if you want to get involved now is the time and the switchboard is completely empty if you call now, you will talk to Matthew. 04871 In the meantime, we're talking about stereotypes as well, uh, Matthew. We had a, a message in from uh, Georgia. She's recorded this message for, uh, for us about her experiences of motoring stereotypes. I now have a seven-seater Volvo, and everyone presumes on the road, I think, that obviously which is sort of true. You know, I'm a mum with lots of children in the car. But what they don't know is that hidden under the bonnet is actually quite a large engine. So if I really put my foot down, I can actually go quite fast, quite quickly. She sounds like she wants to go quite fast, quite quickly. <laughs> I think there, Matthew, she's, there, there is a stereotype about um, the sort of, you know, it's terrible, isn't it? But, you know, uh, the, the school run and the mum on the school run in the, in the, in the big sort of SUV. Yeah, or they call them soccer mums yes. in the States. Yes. Uh, this, the Volvo XC90 is the quintessential soccer mum. So I know exactly where she's coming from. Um, but yeah, you, uh, you've got to understand that these, these big V8 cars, they, they have some punch as well. Yeah. And, and being an automatic car, it's relatively quick off the lights. Um, so by the time they've, finished uh, making assumption, assumptions of who she she is off she goes yeah exactly <laughs> so uh great great really good call uh thanks for that message uh, georgia alan has called in he is uh our next caller alan good morning good morning hey good morning how can we help okay so uh, trade it or keep it is the question mm. so i have a 911 2014 100,000 kilometers it's in mint condition mm. never been in an accident uh agency repairs or uh, maintenance throughout so the question is do i trade it in now that they're changing the model or do i keep it and if i trade it in what value should i expect okay matthew yeah great question um in terms of uh the the 911 is it an s is it a 4s do we know what's what which trim level no, no, it is? Just, just just 911 the standard carrera okay uh in yes, terms carrera, of, exactly. yeah in, in terms of uh the the maintenance it's fantastic that it's all maintained with porsche that's really appealing to people that buy them these these cars are holding their value um in, in terms of should you keep it these cars I love to keep them because they just seem to hold their value and you get so much from them uh, that in terms of your decision, I suppose, is are you still enjoying the car? That That is the critical thing. If you did want to move it on, you've got to decide, I suppose, um, 
in terms of timing, it's it's not go- you're not going to be affected by the the new 992. They're they're selling for for big money. You've got to decide uh, if you're still enjoying the car, etc. In terms of value, uh, my feeling is that car with those kilometers and the fact that it's got maintenance, etc., will be about 155, 160. Um, you may be able to start putting it online a little bit higher because there shouldn't be too many around. A lot of the cars out there on the market are usually uh, S's, 4S's, and even turbos. Um, but, yeah, if you're still enjoying that car, I probably wouldn't move it on because I don't know what you're going to get that you'll enjoy as much. Alan, hope that helps. Uh, just ending because of uh, time constraints. We've got about 15 minutes left with uh, Matthew. Uh, so let's go quite speedy with this one. Let's start with uh, Khaled. Uh, good morning, Khaled. Yeah, it's a very good morning to you guys. Very good morning. Uh, what would you like to ask Matthew? Well, I have a 2013 Honda Pilot uh, mid-range. Mm-hmm. got about 90,000 kilometers on it. And uh, it's been all-serviced agency. Uh, great condition. And I just wanted to see what the value would be in the market now as I'm probably thinking to trade it in sometime at the end of the year. Okay. So could be trading towards 2022 Honda Pilot. Uh, got a note here that it's maroon, 90,000, mint condition, dealer serviced. Matthew. Hi, morning, morning. 2013, yeah? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, these cars uh, are very desirable. Again, great family car, move seven people around. Everybody's chasing them. And and with those kilometers, that's relatively good for what is essentially an eight-year-old car now. I'd probably start that that car around 45 to 50K. Um, and then have some room to come down the reason i want to start it a little bit higher is there won't be many online under a hundred thousand kilometers so that gives you a, an advantage when you've got an advantage in the market you can always price a little bit higher and then come down but yeah put it out there at, at 45 to 50 see how the calls come in and go from there uh, matthew just quickly how i mean if, if Khaled's waiting till the end of the year does will that impact much on the price is that your sort of price based on a, a late year sale when's when would be the best time to sell that car well i'm pricing it as i, as I feel it in the market now because now, who knows yeah. what will happen between now and then but we've, we've already crossed into 2021 and he, we will still be in 2021 by the end of the year so mm. it won't be a massive swing as long as he doesn't cross 100,000 kilometers, yes. we, should be, we should be still in that ballpark. Best time to sell a car usually is late August when people start coming back into the UAE for the new school term. I know things are a little bit unusual uh, with the pandemic, but that mm. is easing off a little bit and we'll get some normality. But um, yeah, I would say the best time for this type of car, late August, early September. Khaled, hope that helps. Uh, let's go to Andrew. Andrew, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Yeah, very well. And how can Matthew help you this morning? Okay, Matthew, good morning. I've got a 2011 Volvo S60, two litre top of the range, 160,000 kilometres full deal of service history. What's it worth? Morning. So nice car. Um, the S60, they're now, uh, they're dropping quite a lot in value. Um, I, I would say if it's the T4 trim, um, you'd be looking early 20s, something like 21, 22,000. Um, it depends how aggressive you want to be 
with this car and how quickly you want to move it. If you want to move it a little bit faster, I would probably put it late teens, maybe 18, 19,000. 18, 19,000. How does that sound, Andrew? Okay, that's, that's around about the ballpark. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, no rush at all, so I'll just keep it going until, uh, until August. Sounds good, yes. Everyone's going to be selling their cars in August now. It's going to be a bumper bump month. Uh, Andrew, thanks so much for calling in. Just moving on quickly because of time. Uh, Rob, uh, I think you've got two cars you'd like to ask Matthew about this morning. What's the first one? Yeah, that's right. I've got a, a 2017 um, Mitsubishi Pajero full option, um, top of the range, done 42,000 miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a 3.8 litre, I see there, and it's a yep. deep metallic brown. That's car number one. Correct, yes. Yeah, up there with one of the most sought-after cars in the UAE, um, being the 3.8 as well, it's top of the range. Um, what was the kilometres, sorry? 42k. Yeah, kilometres are great as well. Uh, you could get that car out there around 80k. Um, okay, okay. And, uh, yeah, and then probably just under 79,000. Um, I'd be surprised if that car doesn't sell for for uh, much less than 75. Uh, very desirable, the big engine, fully loaded, 2017, great car. 75 to 80. Yep. Okay, that's car number one. Uh, number two, please. Brilliant, Rob. thank you. Number two is a Hummer H3 2008, 3.7 litre in silver. Um, the reason I'm curious about this one is I've just been quoted 11,000 dirhams for repairs. Um, um, so it's a case of, is it worth it? Is it not? Prior to that, it's full agency maintained and it's in immaculate condition. And I did, I'm, I'm not sure if I missed the mileage, but I've got a note here. It's 200,000 kilometers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, this is the time that everyone really wants to get out of the, the H3s because they do start costing a lot of money. I doubt that car would sell for much more than 20,000, uh, because people just know, what they're what they're like in terms of uh, maintenance um what when you look at what your bill potentially could be why don't you look at just doing the absolute basics to to so it passes an rta test and getting it online and selling it but you need to get out of that car it's going to cost you more money than it's worth every year you hold it mm. good Brilliant. advice there Matt, okay. uh, rob i hope um yep. what Perfect. do you reckon thank you yes Perfect. Yeah, I think um, I, I agree with the idea of selling the Hummer, but the problem is it's my wife's car and she's in love with it, so uh, <laughs> she'd, she'd probably get rid of me first. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Good luck with that one. Uh, enjoy the rest yeah. of your weekend. Hope she wasn't listening. Uh, well, thank you to everyone who's been calling us in. We've had uh, Rob, Andrew, Nick, Appy, Sam, Abdul, Bassam, Andre, and uh, a few others as well who I didn't get the chance to, to write down. Um, but it's time now for Speed Quote, Matt, if you're already um it's our favorite part of the show yeah <clears throat> cough uh seven to beat and um the clock is ready if you are yeah let's do this right okay let's do this in three two one bmw 528i 2013 blue 126,000 kilometers uh 29 30, ford edge sel black 160,000. Uh, what year uh, no year, sorry. Uh, we, don't, we don't know, move on. Okay, uh, Audi A6 2016, 35 TFSI, silver, 115,000. 55,000. Toyota RAV4 2012, 200,000. 
Oh, a lot of people chasing them, but uh, probably late teens, 20k. VW Touareg 2015, 67,000. Uh, 60,000 dirhams. Land Rover 2016, uh, dark blue, 60,000. Uh, which model? Uh, it's the LR4. LR4, uh, late 80s, 89, 90. Honda Pilot 2018, 58,000. Uh, about 19K. Six. No, seven? Oh, my producer's telling me seven. I, 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 no, six. Okay. <laughs> it's six. I, I couldn't, I couldn't do the Ford because you didn't tell me what year it was. So it could have been any price. I know. I'm so, I'm so, um, I'm so sorry. There was, there'll be a, a formal inquiry after the show. <laughs> we'll, we'll look at how we can improve our, our quality of product. Uh, well, we got, I think we got six. So that was, that was a good attempt. Um, and I think it's our fault. We would have equaled seven if it wasn't for the, uh, the year mishap. Um, so we'll have to improve that. Uh, Matthew, thanks as ever for, for joining us on the programme. Um, really appreciate it. Got a busy week coming up? Yeah, it's uh, getting to that time of the year where things are getting a little bit hotter now. So um, I'm trying to take advantage of the last few uh, weeks of the what I call the winter weather anyway and, and get out and explore a bit of the UAE. So, Brilliant. yeah, I'll, I'll catch up with you about it on the next show. Fantastic. This is Motormania with Ray Addison. Powered by ServiceMyCar.com. Now shut up and drive. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Yes, hello. Welcome to the show. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Motormania. This is your fortnightly chance to talk cars and to keep up to date with the latest motoring news as well. Still to come on today's programme over the next hour, I'll be hanging out with regular listener Kevin Patrick at the Wheel Fix Garage in Alcuz, where his prized 1967 Corvette is literally living in a bubble. That thing lives better than, uh, well, certainly better than I do, better than uh, you do, possibly, I don't know, but it is living the high life. I tell you, it's being cared for and pampered and pruned. We'll also continue to read out your experiences of petrol head prejudice as well. This, of course, off the back of the news that Ford is finally pulling the life support plug on the Mondeo. Of course, murdered by its own stereotype. It's seen as a bit dull. And of course, it might not be a car that, that, that which is that well known here, but it's, it was huge in, in Europe, particularly back to the, you know, the, uh, the 80s and the 90s and was a, one of those vehicles that was kind of considered, um, well, very much associated with a with a particular type of person, and so we're we're asking you: Have you ever experienced any stereotype because of the vehicle that you drive? Do people see the the vehicle that you drive, the car that you drive, the truck that you drive, and think, okay, they're going to be like this? This is who uh, they are. This is how they're going to behave. Let us know. We're running a poll actually over on our Instagram page at Dubai I one zero three eight FM. You can vote yes if you've ever been stereotyped, uh, or you can just vote no. And you know if you've got a story to tell about it, let us know on four zero zero one, or give us a call if you want to talk live in the studio zero four eight seven one double five. Double zero. Um, and later on in the programme, we'll give you the results of that survey. Time now, though, for a bit of uh, car news with uh, Damien Reed. He is our uh, resident motoring journo. Good morning, Damien. Good morning, Ray. You're right. I'm fine, thanks. Yes. Yeah. Just back in the 
uh, not on the road, not travelling, not doing anything this weekend. So it's actually a nice change to be at the desk. <laughs> yeah, because you've been you've been busy uh, last week. You were down at the Bahrain Grand Prix. Yes, we had the Bahrain Grand Prix, and then before that, we're in the in the desert with the VW Terramont. Uh, and and also in the desert on another project that we will talk about hopefully in the next show. Um, so it's been a very very busy few uh, few weeks, I have to say. Mm. Uh, I'm sure you've, you've been you've been listening. I, I, I would certainly hope so. Uh, <laughs> the last I hope five. you're feeling better with the water, right? Do you know what? I've been <laughs> I'm struggling so much today. I was just chatting to uh, Zena, our producer, about it, and we're going to have to we're going to have to come up with a plan of action uh, moving forward. But um, I wanted to get your thoughts on this um, Ford Mondeo story. Obviously, it's being discontinued in the UK because of you know customer preferences. Customer preferences, obviously, meaning they don't want nobody wants to buy it anymore um, because people prefer SUV type vehicles. Um, but there is this association with Mondeo and the Mondeo man. Tell us, tell us about this. Yeah, it is. It's kind of like it's going back to the, to the era of uh, when we when all fleet drivers had the same car. Mm. And so the Mondeo is an incredibly successful car because it primarily it's sold to sales reps and, and people who are on the road for work. It was a, the most economically uh, affordable car in terms of mileage and cost to run and all that kind of thing. So as a result, it's a little bit like in the UK, they've got the other the other, um, uh, the other uh, stereotype of white van man. You know, yes. you can see a white van on the road, you know what that means. It means, you know, stay, stay out of the way because... These guys are on the road to make a dollar and they need to get from place to place quickly. And driving and concentrating is probably not their priority in terms mm. of, uh, you know, their, their, their priority. So that's probably where the stereotype came from. Um, a little unfair because the Mondeo, to be fair, was a, was a, was a very good car. It was a, made on a global platform and actually has a motorsport history. It was actually the world touring car champion car in 1988, oh. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so because, so many around and fleets, it's kind of picked up that stereotype that it can never live down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, when when people go to buy a car, they, you know, the finance is often a, 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 the primary concern. Safety, certainly. And we talked about that a little bit earlier on in the program. Do you think that people consider what what does this car say about me, or what is associated with this car that will reflect on me as well? Oh, for sure. I think, you know, when, when people are looking at that, the family cars, when they consider the, the look at a Mondeo or do they look at a, at an SUV, they're, they're obviously considering the resale value later on, but they're also considering the driveway credibility. Mm. Yes. And when, when everyone else has the, has the, you know, the, the Touareg or the Prado or, or the, the, uh, Nissan Patrol or whatever, um, and you've turned up in the Mondeo or you go to pick the kids up at school, you know, this is a, there's a lot of pressure mm. <laughs> on, on people driving them in the car parks. Yes. And for sure that's had an impact. And, and the global demand for sedans and, and conventional station wagons has just died. It's just gone. Mm. And, and this is one of the, one of the victims, you know, another, another victim of all this is Volkswagen. They've dropped all their sedan range, uh, apart from the single, not even, they've even dropped the golf for our market rather. Mm. Um, but they kept the, the GDI version of the Golf only. But they're focusing now on SUVs because that's where the buyer's going. 
Mm. Well, let's go to uh, the news now. Uh, we will, of course, you know, continue to take people's messages on 4001 about the issue of stereotypes, or you can vote in our poll at Dubai I 1038FM. That's on Instagram. Let us know if it's affected you. But um, you wanted to start today by talking about Formula F1 world champion Nico Rosberg. He's sort of chimed in about how the sport or how sport in general needs to kind of embrace a bigger purpose above and beyond the actual, you know, the job of, of, of racing or matches or whatever that might be? Yeah, this is, a, this is kind of where the, the new thing is. Nikkei Rosberg has, uh, has become very much uh, an environmentally aware person since, mm. he, since he left. He's pretty much left motorsport altogether after he won the world championship uh, in, in 2016, uh, which he did here in Abu Dhabi. And uh, he's... he's He's dabbled back into motorsport now with a, a formula called Extreme E, which is an electric vehicle um, off-road racing, which is actually racing today in Saudi Arabia. Mm. And it's very much a, um, an environmentally uh, conscious championship that that is very careful about its footprint in terms of all the, all the vehicles are transported by seat by by one ship across the, you know the ocean, yeah. and so there's no air there's no air, air flying or that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, to get back to Nico's point is that yes, he's he realizes that now that he has a world championship under his belt, and likewise with Lewis Hamilton as well, with seven world titles, they feel that they can. They there's a lot of people who who follow them mm. on social media and who listen to them, and they feel that they can probably do more than just sort of say, "Hey, we're we're great at winning races," and so they've become very much uh, uh, voices of. Uh, you know, of, of climate change or, or you know, the sustainability yes. uh, in terms of how they can help the, the automotive industry. Mm. I, I'm not saying, uh, I'm not criticising this, uh, but, I, you know, working in the media industry, I, I do know that um, certainly PR firms will, um, if, if they coach you to, to sort of build a brand, they will say it's good for you to also have um, a cause, an issue. You know, and so I'm always yep. a little bit sceptical about um, high sort of high profile sports people coming out with with issues because I wonder is it their issue or is it the issue that's been picked for them that's sort of top of the list kind of yeah. thing. Um, and so I, you know, I, I I am a little bit sceptical, but you know, if, if he's obviously putting his money where his mouth is with his you know with the um, with the e, the extreme e climate aware racing series. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing with Nico is that he's he's no longer associated with the, with the car manufacturer. After mm-hmm. he won the championship with Mercedes, uh, he had the option to to be an ambassador for Mercedes, which I think he did for about six months or a year, mm-hmm. and then decided to to pull back from all that. The Extreme E series, every vehicle is identical, and it and it's and it's a nondescript vehicle. It's a purpose built vehicle made just for this series, so it doesn't have a recognisable brand name associated with it. So. So Nico is probably about as neutral as you can find mm. um, out there. Now the other one, Lewis Hamilton, obviously his his contract is the Mercedes Benz, but that was actually a sticking point for him to re-sign with Mercedes because he wanted to push this message on his own terms. Um, uh, uh, yes, to the point where you know it goes beyond the environmental message. Obviously, Lewis Hamilton was one of the one of the big um, big proponents of the Black Lives Matter and, and other causes mm-hmm. as well during the course of last year. And and you know with things that that weren't part of 
I, I could be very careful how I say this, but yes. not, not part of the, the Mercedes-Benz um, uh, paradigm for, for the year. They're not against it, but it just wasn't part of their program. Sure. But they've let him go ahead with it anyway, mm. and they've shown flexibility towards that. So on those two cases, those, yeah, I, mean, I agree with you 100%. You know, you've got to be so careful about about the, the, the managers and the PR people behind big, high-profile sports stars. But in those two cases that I know of anyway, they're very much independent of, of, of manufacturer pressure. Yeah. I, I mean, it's totally off the, off the issue of, of, of motoring, but um, Marcus Rashford, for example, in the UK, you know, he's... Um, was a really strong proponent for for school dinners in in British schools and 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 now he's kind of become um uh, very much his opinion is is of value and of importance and people listen to him about a range of, of other issues as well and I think if you can trace it back to you know him with a sort of a a, a fairly sort of poor working class background you can see that there's real sort of genuine attachment to the cause i think that gives it a little bit a little bit more value uh, let's move on to another story now that's uh, that i want to talk to you about and you went to the launch of the new seven seat vw yes this is the uh the the new vw terramont and um it's the seven seater uh car it, it in terms of size it's above the tuareg but in terms of price it's below so mm. it's a uh, it, it, it was a tricky one for them, I guess, to, to sell initially. So it's kicking off at 139,000 dirhams through to just under 200,000. Uh, but yeah, we went down to Hatter and we, we drove them, you know, from obviously from Dubai down to Hatter and then then through some through some wadis and a, a little bit of light off roading in the afternoon. Um, and you know, there's um, it's for a family car, absolutely so much room in the car. It's remarkable for a you know, seven seater. I sat in the third row. Um, and I still had you know, leg room and headroom and, wow. and all that sort of thing, and, and that was fine. And you know, there's two engine options: there's a two-liter four-cylinder, and also the uh, a turbo, and also the the 3.6 V6. Mm. Um, the two-liter actually, you know what? It actually performed really, really well. It's only uh, about 40 or 50 horsepower down on the V6, but 10 newton meters in torque, which is which is negligible. And torque is what you need when you're in an SUV to get around. So. Mm. Um, super impressed with the smaller engine of that, and uh, yeah, it's it's a new one on the family market. It's uh, um, I say a lot of space, about fifteen seventy liters thereabouts in technical yep. terms for the, in terms of space. Um, and it's a, it's a genuine, genuine, yeah, genuine three rows of people. Quick uh, update on the poll that we've been running at Dubai I one hundred three eight FM. If you've ever been stereotyped because of the car that you drive, and Damien, you might be surprised by this: sixty eight percent of people saying yes that they have. Oh yes, thirty two percent saying no. Does that kind of shock you? It's, it's kind of going quite significantly in one direction. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I'm not really surprised. Mm. Um, there are definitely stereotypes out there with, 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 with cars. I know from driving a different car nearly every week uh, on the same roads in the same traffic, you get treated quite differently oh, really? depending on what you're driving. Absolutely, absolutely. If I'm driving a, a big SUV or, or, a, or a red you know, Italian sports car, mm. uh, the way that whether people decide to let you into a, a gap in the traffic or not uh, or... Um, or, or let you overtake them or not is quite interesting. Um, I've experienced it for years, not just here, everywhere. It's definitely uh, something out there that's in people's psyche when they're driving. The only time I've ever sort of experienced what I felt was preferential treatment because of the car I drove was when I had a Mini. Um, and <laughs> other Mini drivers would would be very courteous towards me and sort of let you know let you go. And basically, we did it. You know, we did it for each other. 
And that was quite nice, actually. I quite like being a part of something like that, but not, not sort of driving a different car every week. I haven't noticed anything as, as sort of jarring as, as different treatment on, on the roads. I guess we shouldn't be too surprised because, um, you know, car manufacturers, car designers, they, they will try and create a feeling with their car, won't they? When they design something, they want it to evoke certain feelings in, in different types of people in the custom mar- customer market. And so why would that not potentially lead to stereotypes or sort of assumptions about the vehicle and the driver? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I remember going back to like a, a, in an earlier stock market crash, um, Porsche 911 was was just a was just a dirty word. You did not own a Porsche 911. You did not want to be seen with one, yeah. um, because it was seen as like you know a, a, a stock market. Um, you know people who work in finance and that kind of thing. But you know Porsche changed that image when they brought out their, their SUV range, and and it, it literally saved the company. They were in uh, in a bit of trouble back then, and they've bounced back to being you know the strong company that they are today. So. Yeah. It's very much part of yeah the the way that they build the image towards the car, um, and also the way the buyer carries on that image. Um, you know whether whether the whether the company likes it or not. For instance, you know Bentley and Rolls Royce have a have a, an image at the moment where they're dealing with 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 you know, professional sportsmen buying mm-hmm. their cars or, mm-hmm. or rappers or that sort of thing. It's not where they intended it to go, but but it's bringing in sales and bringing in uh, recognition for the brand. So then the question is. Do do we curve them back? If someone comes in and wants to to uh, to put you know massive you know thirty inch spinners and stuff on a, onto a Rolls Royce, do they let them or not? You mm. know, um, so it kind of perpetuates it as well. And it's been going on for years. I mean, we're going to hear in, after this segment with you um, from uh, Kevin Patrick, and he he's got a nineteen sixty seven Corvette, and he said at the time when that came out. NASA astronauts and the engineering teams and all the people that worked at NASA just started buying this car. And it wasn't sort of an arrangement between uh, them and the, you know, and NASA. It was just something that happened. Uh, but they included, you know, they put it into their marketing and it was it was great for them to do that. And so this is just something that's been going on for years and years and years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, an earlier caller mentioned a Volvo wagon. You know, I had a Volvo wagon at one point too. And, mm. and, and you, you know, you weren't looked upon kindly. Um, but uh, one person in, in the United States pretty much turned that around on his own, and that was Paul Newman. He he loved his cars and loved racing and loved tinkering, and he bought an old Volvo wagon, put a Chevy V8 into it, dropped the th- you know lowered the thing, made it look amazing. Jerry Seinfeld saw one and said, "I'm buying one of those." <laughs> Mario Andretti went, "Can you build me one too?" <laughs> Over effectively overnight, wow. the Volvo wagon became cool, and now it's the and now it's the car you see at hot rod shows in the US. You know, it's just the way things go. Well, keep uh, your messages coming in on 4001 about that and vote at Dubai I1038FM. Uh, let's talk about the um, April Fool fiasco uh, for VW. What can you tell us about this? Yeah, this is, this is uh, wow, this, is, this really sort of flared up during the week. We got a press release on the 30th of March saying that uh, the Volkswagen Group of America has unveiled an official change to its US brand name from Volkswagen to Volkswagen to rec- to emphasise their change to a future-powered investment in e-mobility and all this sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it came with a quote from the president and CEO of Volkswagen America, Scott Keogh. It also um, came with you – know, we, we looked at it and went, well, this is two days early. It, yes. it, are you sure? You know, maybe. Um, so questions were brought up. And the, the poor – I feel sorry to an extent with the, the, the PR and marketing team because mm. – they then had to fend off questions from the media saying, look, 
we've got to carry in, in their mind. I think we've got to carry the narrative of the company, but then we also we can't let them know that we've made an error. So they've actually reinforced it. So that then they've confirmed, saying, "Look, we're not we're not joking. It's actually happening." Wow. And that's that's the bit I think that's backfired because uh, now um, it's meant that. Um, uh, they're running afoul of the U.S. security laws by by going into um, in the misleading investors. Oh no! And and as a result, uh, by Tuesday after the uh, following the statement, the Volkswagen America's stocks uh, jumped almost ten percent before closing nearly flat, and and then have since uh, have um, dropped in a four percent as of Wednesday. So it has actually moved the stock market around, and this is now. The area where they're they're sort of thinking, are we in trouble or not? Oh dear. Okay. So what and what was started as a joke has gone a little bit um, awry. There's other uh, manufacturers doing it as well. Talk, talk to me about Bentley. Yeah, I mean uh, Bentley been playing around with 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 with, uh, with, with some others as well. Yeah, um, and there's 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 been, they actually came out with an idea to um, to install a, a a coffee maker machine <laughs> in their car, which I thought was absolutely genius. I thought yeah. that was fantastic. And I wish they did. You know, I, I would actually think that that would if I had the money to, to buy that kind of car. Yes. Um, it would sway me if the machine could could suddenly make me an espresso whilst I'm on the move. I would do it. But they they did a very clever one with graphics on the center console, saying that a bit like the the graphics graphics you get on your coffee machines at the airports and things. Yeah, which which cup would you like? Um, and uh, and and that, yeah. that actually got a few people sort of ringing up saying, where can I get it from? Because you can get humidors, you can get yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. decanters, you can get anything for a bit. Literally, they say. If you ask for it, we will produce it like Rolls Royce and the others do. Yeah. So some people believed it. Well, this and uh, and we're saying, where can we get one? <laughs> uh, Skoda did one as well. I'm just reading about here. Um, they said they developed new Intune software that monitored the cabin inside the car for singing and automatically corrects the vo- vocal pitch. The corrected audio was then or would then be played back through the car speakers in real time, masking sing-alongs that are out of key. That sounds amazing. Someone needs to do this for real. Somebody will uh, and do then this. I would, yeah. Then I'll jump in cars with people because if they're um, – and, and it would also hide the embarrassment of accidentally pulling up at the lights and knowing that your back window's down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Damien, we're, we're running out of time, but I just want to ask you about um, – you've been driving the first hybrid car from Maserati. Tell us about this. Yeah, so I'm currently in the uh, in the Maserati uh, Ghibli hybrid, and uh, it's um, – I've got mixed feelings about it at the moment, right? Because because it's got all the Italian touch points of beautiful styling and the leather trim and everything you've come to expect from Maserati. It's just missing the crucial sound. It's missing, yes. you know. It's it's a it's a, a four cylinder backed by uh, a backed by um, a hybrid powertrain, and it's you know it, it, it's just missing that sound. But mm. it. There's no shortage of performance. I mean, it's five point seconds to one hundred k. It's uh, two hundred fifty five kilometers now um, and three hundred thirty horsepower. Now, what what it is very quickly, it's a mild hybrid as opposed to a full hybrid. So it means that the petrol motor is running the entire time, and it runs off a combination of the petrol motor and the electric motor, mm. where the electric motor supports the engine during acceleration and cruising. So under no time does it actually just glide along silently as an electric car. Mm. It's always got that four-cylinder, you know, motor ticking around underneath it. So, yeah, at the moment, um, yeah, it's just a personal thing with the sound, but yeah. everything else is fantastic. It it it, it accelerates beautifully. It uh, just like the, the the V6s did before the turbos, and um, 
and it's got the performance. The fuel economy so far is outstanding, and it just looks amazing. But this is the start. This is the very first of Maserati. They're going to go this way with, with their full range of into hybrids and then go into full electric, full electric, electric vehicles that's, that's uh, a little later on. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, thank you so much uh, for joining us, as always, Damien. Really appreciate it. And you've got a busy week coming up, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's uh, we're, we're kind of kicked back into the swing, still in the yeah. in the Zoom phase. So we've got a got a Zoom meeting with uh, an American manufacturer on Monday about another electric vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, then we've got the launch of the new Golf GTI uh, on Wednesday, mm-hmm. which is going to be very exciting. I'll be out at the Dubai Autodrome Wednesday morning, have a bit of, having a bit of fun with that. Um, and then, of course, yeah, we're getting ready for uh, for Formula One again, the Italian Grand Prix round two, the weekend after. So it's starting to kick back in. And I've got the Mini Countryman that I'm going to be driving as well. So uh, um, a, a baby SUV, if you put it that way. So, yeah, lots going on. Awesome. Uh, well, join us in a couple of weeks and, and tell us all about it. We really appreciate you being on the program. And if you want to follow Damien, he's at Damien Reed uh, on Instagram and uh, other social media channels as well. Thank you so much, Damien. Uh, right, uh, coming up after the break, I meet a, a listener, regular listener to this program, who loves his car so much he literally – Travel, takes it from country to country when he travels, and he now keeps it in a bubble. You're back with Ray Addison on Motor Mania. Only on Dubai I 103.8. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks. If you've been listening throughout the program this morning, and hello, if you just joined us, this is Motormania, the car talk show. Now, regular listeners will know that we love to hear your stories on Motormania. And so when Kevin Patrick called the program and said that he had a 1967 Corvette currently living in a bubble in the wheel fix carriage in Alcuz, I went to check it out and find out about a very special NASA connection. Here's Kevin telling me all about his new baby. Yeah, the Corvette is uh, 1967 uh, original. She's uh, C2. It's identical to the one that was provided to the to the astronauts that landed on the moon. Now, these guys landed, as we know, in 1969, and this is a 67. So they could have chosen the C3, the later model, but none of them did. Aldrin, Armstrong, and Collins all chose a C2 this exact model because for them it was the epitome of style it was the sports car of the time so armstrong had it in marina blue just like this one that you're looking at here aldrin had it in a bright ferrari red and uh, mike collins had it in the most awful green Uh, so they had three identical cars uh, in three different colors and that was um that was presented to them by NASA because they were the successful as- astronauts to be uh, uh, selected for the, for, the, for the moon project. This was inspired, the engineer uh, happened to be a, uh, a diver. The name of the particular model is Stingray and, that, and he, he designed it from the mantra ray uh, from diving. And they just loved the contours and the shape so much. This is what they went for, the three of them. So you owned this car in the States before you brought it over here when you moved to Dubai. But what sort of history has it had? This car was part of the Corvette Club of America. They're they're based in Bowling Green, where the Corvette was first manufactured and is still manufactured to this day, 60 years ago. And uh, they had this car in their showroom in Bowling Green. 
So I bought it and then I was a member of the club and we used to go all over the United States uh, on rallies. And then when I sold up in New Jersey, I came back to where I've been here in Dubai for the last 15 years and I brought it back with me. And you can see now that it's in a capsule, which is fully air-conditioned. That's why it's here in Wheelfix, because uh, they do a valet job on the car first, and then for storage purposes, they put it into this capsule. And that's been in that... I haven't driven that car now for half a year, and that's the condition of the car in the capsule. Absolutely perfect. Unfortunately now, I've decided to go back to the UK, so I'm, I have to sell the car. Yeah, so it's actually up for, up for grabs it if anybody be, wants to, be, yeah. to, to buy it. <laughs> what about the, the history? I, I know with the car clubs, you often will track exactly who has owned the car before you. Is there a connection? I mean, obviously, the, the, the connection is the, the, the type of car and, and, and NASA. But do you know of any astronauts ever owned this particular car or anybody who worked for no, NASA? No, no, there's absolutely no connection with this particular car. They had exactly the same model, but no. This was ordered in 1967 by a private individual who ordered it direct from the factory and he had every conceivable extra that Corvette provided. If you imagine, Ray, 1967, that car we're looking at has AC. It has electric windows. <laughs> it has power glide transmission. 1967. Yeah. I remember my first car in the 60s, it didn't have seatbelts. <laughs> I guess if you were an astronaut, you were used to, you know, technology, the latest technology. That's exactly the kind of thing well, you would want. Yeah, yeah. It says, it says a lot, I think, for the car, the fact that three astronauts, highly, highly technical people who could have chose any car they wanted to, each chose the same model of Corvette. Yeah, yeah. It speaks for itself, I think. So it's being well looked after now, and I'm sure it's in, in excellent condition. Yeah. What sort of condition was it in when you acquired oh, it? perfect. It was just like this, yeah. It, so this, this car's had a charmed life. Oh, yeah. It, it's got... Um, it's all original, so I think, uh, from my memory, the clock shows uh, 32,000. Just 32,000? Yeah, from 1967. <laughs> they, they were so particular about the car, the Corvette Club of America wouldn't drive it from one exhibition to the other, so they put it on a trailer. That is amazing. That is amazing. So what about maintenance then? Because this, you know, this can't be that cheap or maybe you're going to surprise uh, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, will, I will surprise you. Back then, uh, everything, all the cars were mechanical. So it's so basic, it's unbelievable. The guys that look after the servicing for me are a Scottish guy, Gordon, in AAA. And uh, he does a lovely job. I bring it there once a year. Yeah, he does a service, but it's absolutely bog standard simple. There is no computer bug for this. Yeah, yeah. So, but there's, so there's nothing wrong with this car. You've, it, no. Any major problems? And no. what about the, the Corvette in general over the years? Obviously, the models have changed. And but you know, is it known as being a reliable, reliable car? You know, as we know, the Corvette is still uh, highly in production today. Very, very popular model. I've driven. Uh, the most recent models as well and when I was in the States with the car club very impressive cars but for classic touring open top touring cruising along you can't beat this I think the Corvette started in around 1950 
253. Yes, early 50s, yes. Where, where was it at in the public's opinion? You know, let, take us back to the 1960s then. So when this one came out in 1967, what was the perception in America of the Corvette? The uh, Corvette in the 50s, when it was launched, didn't do well at all. Um, and it actually struggled uh, for a decade. And for some reason, uh, when they developed the Corvette into the C1, and then the C2, uh, it took off. But to be honest, uh, once uh, I think it, it, once it was selected by the astronauts, it was the the, the sports car to have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, in a way, it was kind of like the ultimate advertising for the Corvette. They couldn't have, been, they couldn't have paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It was uh, 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 an incredible stroke of good luck for uh, Chevrolet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're uh, heading on, but going back to the UK, and, and yeah. this, this car's up for sale yeah, now. I'm returning, I'm returning now uh, in a couple of months to the UK. John is looking after the car for me here in this, in this uh, capsule, and um, I'll, be, uh, I'll be putting putting the car up. It'll probably go to auction. I spoke to Sotheby's about it, and they're considering putting it into their auction next month. Do you know what kind of guide price you'd be looking at? If I did, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> but they announce it. They're going to announce it anyway. <laughs> you don't want to give us any hints, any forewarning. Yeah. I, I, I can tell you what the reserve is. That, yeah. that I can tell you. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, as, as you know, unless a, a product hits the reserve, it, it's not sold. And in dollars, that's 135000 would that be a profit on what you bought the car for? Uh, you don't do this uh, for profit, Ray, really. It would, but I did it for pleasure. Yeah. Uh, I've had so much pleasure, uh, my good wife and myself, uh, driving around the United States in that car with that club. It's unbelievable. And I would not be selling that car uh, at all if uh, the United Kingdom didn't have... Uh, one day's rain out of every three, yeah. and it's on the left-hand side anyway, which is, which is not good. It's perfect for Dubai, open top, because one, once the hood comes down on that car, that's the way it used to be in the States, you leave it down. It's not a hood to come up and come down, come up, come down. You only pull it up if, by some bizarre chance, it's, it's going to start to rain. But when that hood comes down, it stays down, and you just cruise around. What about people's reaction here in Dubai then as you've, as you've driven this car? Yeah, we've stopped, uh, we've stopped a lot of traffic with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, uh, most, most people, of course, um, have never seen uh, something from the 60s uh, because we've, we've a young population here. So, yes, a lot, a lot, a lot of stargazing there, yes. Uh, you're a car enthusiast in, in general, I, you know, I can tell. I, lo- I love cars, yes. <laughs> and yeah. there's another one of your vehicles over here, and you were just showing me uh, something quite unique, uh, like a protection system for the, yeah, for the this, wheels. This is, this is, in fact, why I came to Wheelfix, because um, this is a, an XKR uh, that I've had uh, here since 2008. Um, and every time I park it, uh, because of the high curbs here, I've managed to damage every single one of the, the wheel rims. Um, so to the, to the point that they were virtually destroyed. And uh, then I heard about John in Wheelfix, who takes off the, uh, the wheel, 
completely refurbishes it back to fa- factory original, colour, spray, everything. And then he puts this gator onto it, which mine is red, so you can get them in seven or eight different colours. And the gator is attached to the very, very outer rim of the wheel. And when you're next negotiating to park, it will be that gator that will hit uh, the concrete, not your wheel. Yeah, so it's completely protected. To- totally protected. Now, they've been on, John did that, I think, about one and a half years ago, and the wheels are absolutely perfect. I thought these, I mean, this sounds like an advertising thing, but I thought these had just been put on <laughs> no. a couple of days ago. No, this is no, no, still uh, no, no. in great one, condition. One and, yeah, and it's yeah. a kind of, it's a, it's a hard, what is it? It's a kind of a hard rubber or a kind of hard no, plastic? No, it's a very, or? very hard plastic. So that was Dubai-based car enthusiast Kevin Patrick telling me all about his 1967 Corvette Stingray. And it's similar to what Neil Armstrong and other NASA astronauts and engineers as well drove back in the day. Now, he's going home to the UK soon and his car is staying here in its bubble ahead of auction. And he keeps it down at Wheel Fix in Alcuz in a literal bubble it's fully air-conditioned john brindley uh, runs wheel fix he he owns the garage and i spoke to him a little bit earlier on well i've been with this company uh, about a year and a half and um we've been fitting them ever since i came and, and before i came and they are proving to be very very popular um you imagine you you get your wheels sorted you get them repaired straightened repainted you've gone to all the time and trouble and expense this is the perfect way to maintain that that look of the wheel and and they're relatively easy to fit they don't damage the wheel and they're they're a good price obviously there's a there's a huge car scene here in in the uae by itself but also there's there's a growing and developing group of companies that offer services to people who are looking to sell their cars they want to do that extra little bit of work or or a lot of work depending on on how much is required in order to sort of maximize price on on classic cars and on um, prestige cars yeah you're quite right and one of the major things that that helps to sell a car is having the wheels in good condition you imagine you're inspecting a vehicle and the wheels are damaged that's an indication that there could be some more damage to the bearings or the suspension or something more structurally wrong with the car if the wheels are in good condition that rules out any hidden damage as far as the buyer is concerned uh, and this again this product does does allow that to take place it, it does help that and there's a lot of beautiful cars here in the garage. Just rattle off some of the well, some of the mates. <laughs> I mean, this one came in. I'll show you. I've got a very, very interesting one in the corner. Yeah, let's I have mean, a look. Well, this we, we work with um, our partner um, Dimitri from Carbonov Designs, and he has just received this vehicle. Oh wow! I think there's only 80 of them in in production. Dimitri. Hi, Dimitri. How Hi. you doing? You're right. Oh my goodness. So I do car designs, you know, the stickers, uh, customizing things on the different cars. So this time, this one, Conin Segrigera. We've got some blue tape coming across the the bonnet. Here will be the, as you see, interior is white, so it will be also white, pearl white, uh, very sharp lines, just highlight the body shapes. Stunning. I mean, it's a stunning car to start with, but this is going to take it to the next level, isn't it? this little feature they fitted there gold leaf on the inside spoke of the wheel and, and it's a, and it's a fully carbon fiber wheel and, and that that is detail but no gator on this one john no gator as yet stunning so okay this is the kind of stuff that you're you're doing around here yeah, some yeah, yeah. amazing well, this amazing is vehicles 
a full carbon fibre kit fitted here at Wheelfix. Uh, this is having the graphics done. This area over here, we do all the detailing, window tints, PPF, ceramic coating. So we do all those services as well. The thing that, that I must point out with the wheel repairs is that we actually repair the wheels once they're bent or if they're cracked, where a lot of shops can only repaint them. Fantastic. Well, what a beautiful place to work every day. How lucky it's are you? It's a pleasure. It's a, it's a real pleasure, I tell you, to be around so many nice cars. I mean, I've worked in the main dealers. I've worked for Mercedes-Benz and, and Toyota. This doesn't compare to that experience. This is more involving with the customers. It's a far better experience. It's a private business. Where we kind of started with, with Kevin, we were talking about the fact that his, you know, his, his uh, Corvette is in a, a, a bubble. Yes. It's in a capsule. Cap- well, we actually do them for motorbikes as well. Okay. And there's a KLM showroom that have just had uh, done a deal with us, and they're now displaying them in their showroom. So if you want to buy one of their bikes, you get the capsule with it. So, it's, so it's, is this temperature controlled? And no, no, but it, it's, it keeps the air inside the car at constant pressure, and it's filtered air. And it stops any insects, yes. any, any rodents. No sand, no dust. Like and, and, and the car will just sit in there happily for as long as you like. And, and like Kevin said, I think this is about six months. Uh, we, opened, we zipped it up and, and to check it out. And, uh, you know, it's perfect. There's not even any dust on it. So if you've got a nice high-end car, you know, why not get one of these and just keep it high-end? Well, this is going up for auction soon. Do you, I mean, do you expect there'll be quite a lot of demand? And where do you think the buyer will be? Do you think we're looking at a, a Middle East buyer? Maybe you can both chip, chip well, in on this. for the car, or are you talking about the, 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 the car? For the car. The car. I think it would um, definitely be uh, a Middle East buyer. There's um, a lot of interest here, and it's a discreet interest in the classic car clubs. You have a classic car club in Dubai, Abu Dhabi, a very good one as well in uh, Sharjah. And um, I've been at a couple of their rallies and the amount of absolutely beautiful, stunning cars that people own, all Emiratis, all UAE, was incredible. And so maybe maybe a lot of uh, local interest for this particular vehicle. I would think so, yes. Yeah. Well, good luck with the sale and good luck Thank with the, so the move. Much. And Thank uh, you. what have you got waiting for you at home in England? Have you got some, some, some vehicles already over there? Are you taking something over there? Or what's going to be the next uh, purchase? This baby, the Jaguar, is uh, coming with me. But um, it's, it's coming with me as a temporary import to the United Kingdom because um, I'm getting... Uh, uh, a holiday place which is a little bit closer to home in Portugal so that car's coming to, to Portugal with me uh, left hand drive as well so it's perfect. Kevin Patrick ending that report there and his pride and joy is going to be auctioned off very soon the car is currently in an air conditioned capsule, a bubble in wheel fix in Alcuz uh, you heard from John Brindley as well because they keep the cars there in excellent condition, they also do a bit of designing. Now, if you have something special parked in your garage or your bubble, if you're rich enough and you'd like us to feature it on this program here, Motormania, get in touch 4001 or you can give us a call on 04871 That's exactly what Kevin did and we'd love to hear from all of our listeners. Thanks to everyone who joined us on the program. Just to give you an update on our poll that we've been running on Instagram at Dubai I1038FM asking have you ever been stereotyped because of the car that you drive oh yes say 71 percent of you never 29 percent thanks so much for joining us throughout the day we're back on the 17th of april and we'd love to have your company there until then goodbye drive safely